Proverbs chapter number 13. <clears throat> Proverbs 13. We've been in this uh, particular chapter three or four weeks, and <clears throat> I, I told you we're not going to deal with every verse, but there are so many very uh, powerful verses in this chapter that we'll be in it for a few different weeks, uh, a few more weeks. But I want you to look tonight at one verse, Proverbs 13, verse number 10. The Bible says, only by pride cometh contention, but with a well-advised is wisdom. So this is another one of those antithetical Proverbs where there's a positive, there's a commensurate negative, they stand in contrast with one another, trying to expand our understanding uh, of what the Word of God is teaching. You know, we often, in our shopping, we will look to see where a product was made. Maybe because we have some perception that one is, to our preference, better or worse. Uh, we like to know where things come from. Uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, Jan came down with COVID. It wasn't a terrible case. She's still struggling with energy. But we were in our minds saying, well, I wonder where she got that, who she came in contact with, where'd that come from? We're often looking at things in that way. Well, the Bible tells us tonight where strife comes from, where conflict between people comes from. And it says, only by pride cometh contention. So whether you want to name it strife or arguments or uh, whatever term you want to use, it's rooted in pride in one or the other or both parties who are involved in the situation. Now we'll come here back to Proverbs 13, but look back in Proverbs 11. Proverbs 11, verse number 2. Proverbs 11, 2. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. That word shame means simply dishonor or reproach. Have you, you know, I, I did not grow up in a family that was confrontive. I never saw my parents argue, which was a very peaceful home, although I never saw them have to resolve a conflict either. So I had to learn through personal experience, I guess. But the first time I can ever remember, apart from sporting events as a kid playing Little League or something, or on the playground with kids, the first time I saw people who just seemed to thrive on arguing and getting in each other's faces when I, was when I started working in the factory to pay my way through Bible college. I began working in American Steel Foundries in January of 1974. And, you know, I, my personality, I'll stand up for what I believe, but I've never been a person who really likes to argue. Now, I'm not saying I haven't ever gotten in the flesh and done that, but I'm saying that's just not my natural bent. And uh, 
That was an eye-opening experience. Have you ever watched two men argue and stand back and find great entertainment in how stupid they look? <laughs> I got in trouble for that one time because I started laughing. I thought it was hilarious, and then I was, they were both mad at me, so I learned not to do that. But, you know, the Bible says that pride cometh, then cometh shame. You know, people say things and do things when they get worked up in those situations that really should cause them a great deal of embarrassment. Uh, turn forward to Proverbs chapter 17. <clears throat> Proverbs 17 and verse number 19. Proverbs 17, 19. Uh, look at verse 18. A man void of understanding striketh hands and becometh surety in the presence of his friend. He loveth transgress he that love he loveth transgression that loveth strife. And he that exalteth his gate seeketh destruction. So when when you enjoy that kind of conflict and confrontation and strife. Now, you're, you're opening up the door for uh, sin to come into your life as well. Then one more, Proverbs 21. <clears throat> Proverbs 21 and verse number 23 and 24. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. Proud and haughty scorner is his name who dealeth in proud wrath. Now, all of these verses, and there are others that we will allude to through the Bible study tonight, all teach a common truth. And that is that when pride is uh, ruling in our lives, we're open to sin, we're open to conflict, and we're open to bringing things into our lives that will bring great shame. So let's just ask some questions and examine this verse, see what we can learn. Number one, it's already very obvious, but what causes contention? What causes arguments? What brings about strife? And the Bible says, only by pride cometh contention. Now this word for pride, there's several words that are translated pride in the Bible, but this word speaks of an arrogance or a presumption. I found it interesting, the, the writer of that concordance said, a know-it-all. <laughs> uh, somebody who, whether or not they know, think they know, and they're going to stand up for what they think they know, whether or not they know what they say they know. Well, that was pretty good. Somebody ought to write that down. That was spontaneous. That's dangerous. But pride, somebody who always has to be right, and they like to create, they, they like that. Now, there's, you're going to find, as we work through this, but I'll go ahead and throw it out there now, there's nothing wrong with healthy discussion with people that you don't agree with. It doesn't mean that we always have to come together and have that, uh, you know, that kumbaya moment where we sit around holding hands around the campfire. Now, that's not what it's saying. It's saying that we need to keep ourselves under control, speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15, but not be drawn into conflict that is fruitless and unhelpful. 
So pride is talking about a presumptuous arrogance, a know-it-all attitude. And the word contention just is one of those onomatopoeia words. It, it means wrangling or uh, quarreling. Uh, as you say it, you, you get the feel for what it's talking about. Striving is striving in debate. That's the idea. So what the Bible is teaching is at the root of much of human conflict, if not most of it, is pride or its close relative, stubbornness. You know, a person who is not willing to think or to hear an opposing view or to listen to another perspective and they just dig in their heels, that's the pride that causes contention. And truly, a person who struggles with pride uh, shows contempt for the opinions and uh, views of others, and obviously that creates strife as well. Uh, look at uh, chapter 12 of Proverbs, verse 15. It says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Now, a fool is somebody lacking wisdom. It's not somebody who has no choice in the matter. Sometimes a fool is somebody who doesn't have experience, but normally the Bible refers to them as the simple. A fool is somebody who chooses to be in that condition. No, I'm not going to let anybody give me instruction or help me to see things more properly. So, uh, the proud are those who cannot see that they could ever be incorrect or wrong in their view, and so they're going to push it forward, and that creates this contentious spirit. So the source of contention is pride. Well, then the second question that came to my mind as I was just trying to think through this a little bit was, why? Why does pride cause contention? It was interesting as I <clears throat> read about this passage in every resource that I have, uh, how there was a common thread of analysis. One said, well, pride is self-assertive and often overbearing and will not allow an opposing view to stand. And they're intolerant of differences of opinion. Yeah, I, I reflected in my own mind in younger days when, you know, I, I would have a disagreement with someone and I wouldn't stop and listen to them because I was so interested in trying to express myself. And that was really a failure on my part. Doesn't mean I'm going to change my opinion, but I will gain more respect if I'm willing to listen to somebody who expresses something different than what I, how I view it. And the reason is because when we are filled with pride, it clouds our minds to where we can't see our faults, but we see others very clearly. What did the Lord teach in Matthew chapter 7? He taught about the beam and the moat. You're so focused on that little incorrect part in somebody else's eye that you don't see the major flaw in your own. And so pride is like a magnifying glass that enhances our point of view or our opinion while 
at the same time enlarging the incorrect view or opinion of others. And the magnifying glass works both ways. And so it, often when, when I, in my own life, have just jumped to a, a conclusion about somebody or had a wrong opinion about somebody, I just didn't like them, as I analyze it, more often than not, it's because of my own prideful view of myself. And God actually was doing some work in my heart not that long ago about why I would put myself in that position, to put myself uh, thinking I was above somebody when actually that was a mirror of the word of God to show me, no, the problem isn't with them, Bob, it's with you. Look in the word of God. Are you, are you being prideful in this opinion that you're holding? And so people who are proud and struggle with that sin of pride are people that are often in conflict. Now, maybe you've never met anybody like this, but I've met people that seem like they're always in conflict with somebody. It, it, it's just their DNA. Uh, they, they, they sort of thrive on it. It makes them feel like they're useful, I guess. I'm not sure. Charles Bridges, an old, old commentator, put it this way, quote, pride breeds quarrels, but wisdom is found of those who heed advice. Turn back to Proverbs chapter 3. We know verses 5 and 6 quite well. Most of you could probably be pretty close to quoting it. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path, paths. Notice verse seven. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So Solomon, by inspiration of the Spirit of God, writes to us that we have to trust in the Lord, not in ourselves. Because when we trust in ourselves, we are wise in our own eyes. We think we have the answers. We think our way of doing it is always right. We think that our opinion is best. We're not trusting in the Lord. Dr. H.A. Ironside's commentary on Proverbs put it this way, if pride were judged and the sin frankly owned before God, how soon would much that has been contended for be seen in its true light as contrary to scriptures and hence opposed to the spirit of Jesus Christ? You know, when you get into conflict with somebody, Sometimes it's le you're, you're legitimately taking a position for right. It's not only your position that's important. It's not only my position that's important, but our disposition is important as well. The Bible says, speak the truth in love. The Bible tells us we are to be Christ-like. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, Meekness, against such there is no law. What is meekness? Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is power under control. Do you know you can be right and be gentle at the same time? 
We can be right and express love at the same time. I had to have a very difficult conversation a few days ago with someone long distance about a problem not related to our church. And I knew they didn't really want to hear what I was saying, but I had to say the truth, but I didn't have to say it in a harsh way. And I really prayed before that conversation that I'd be able to do that. I, I pray, I hope I was successful. This is not advocating compromise. This is not advocating not believing things. What it is advocating is not allowing our prideful spirit to cause conflict and strife and contention. Folks, that's vitally important in a body of believers, a local church. We just came through two years, hopefully we're through, and there are people all over the map on their belief system. And I knew no matter what position I took as pastor, there were some people that weren't going to be happy about it. And they felt strongly about it. But the truth is, I had to do what I believe God wanted us to do, but do it in a loving and kind way. I, I just had somebody in my office yesterday. They've not been coming to services. They've got legitimate reasons in their mind and they asked me about wearing masks I said we still have people who wear masks every service that's a personal choice we don't have to wear masks so I don't mandate it if they made us I would mandate it reluctantly but I would do it so we could have church but if you are comfortable coming but you feel like you need to wear a mask because of your situation wear your mask and come on yeah, it, would, it was very easy. People all over, their opinions about vaccines, not vaccines, and masks and no masks. And, and, all, and we were just laughing out in the foyer a moment ago. You know, the, the mandates have been consistently inconsistent and sometimes make no sense. But the point is, just because you believe strongly in, in one of those multiplied thousands of positions doesn't mean that you can't have a discussion with somebody who doesn't hold the same position without getting into an argument. But there are some people who can't do that. That's my point. And that's just one simple illustration, but there are many illustrations as we walk through this journey called life as a believer, not everybody's gonna line up with me. I gave you that illustration of a, a man, he's now a college president down in the United States when he was in evangelism. We didn't know each other very well, and uh, we were talking through things. We found things we disagreed on, and he made that statement that I told you a couple weeks ago. If we were to make a list of 50 things, we can talk about 45 of them and be in agreement. And, and that's lodged in my mind. That's something I've always tried to allow to control the way I handle those relationships. If you're always going to go to the point of disagreement, you're going to be lonely or you're gonna be conflicted or always in a strife position. You know, whenever we become angry in controversy, we, can, we cease to contend for the truth and we begin to fight for ourselves. We need to be careful about that, so why? Well, let's think of some Bible illustrations where pride caused contention. I'm just gonna give you a list, familiar stories, you can jot them down, read the passages later if you like. Of course, the classic Isaiah 14, 
Lucifer's sin was rooted in his pride. What did he say? I will ascend above the heavens. I will, I will go to the mountain of God. He, he was saying, I'm, I'm going to be greater than God. And look at how that prideful sin invaded the garden and affects all of us. By the way, don't have such a narrow view of Genesis 3 that the sin was eating the fruit. No, the sin was a lot bigger than that. The sin was, well, God is holding out on me. God is not good. God, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a panorama of sins there. So Lucifer, number one. Number two, Genesis chapter 4. I've often asked myself the question, why did Cain kill Abel? It wasn't sibling rivalry. It was pride. Because Cain's offering was rejected. Abel's was accepted. Cain took umbrage with that, and in his pride, he killed his brother. Genesis chapter 13, the conflict between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. They, they finally parted and, and Abram, the way it was resolved was not Abram exerting himself saying, hey, I'm the uncle here. I have the right of choice. I can choose what I want. Abram had to die to self, so to speak, let Lot and his herdsmen choose but he diffused the conflict. Number 16, it was pride that caused Korah and Datham and Abiram to rebel against Moses and offer strange fire, and obviously God dealt with that. 1 Samuel 16, it was pride that was the root of the anger that motivated King Saul to try and kill David on multiple occasions where did it start when the women began singing? Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Oh, now he's getting more press than me, that little punk shepherd. Let me show him. His pride. You know, when, when you struggle with the success of others rather than rejoice in the success of others, you better do a little close in inspection of your heart that pride isn't causing that. You go to the book of Esther. It was pride that caused Haman to want to kill Mordecai. Mordecai wouldn't stand and show him honor. He thought he was worthy of it. It was pride that caused him to want to kill the Jews. Jesus told this, or let's move to the New Testament for two. Luke 18, verse 9 says, And he spake this parable uh, unto certain, which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. I've never really slowed down enough to read that. The Lord use that as the introduction to a parable. What was the parable he told? The parable of the Pharisee and the publican praying. But what, how did he introduce it? He introduced it by saying, he's going to tell this story to those who 
thought a lot about themselves and despised others. Pride. Pride. Mark chapter 9. The disciples were arguing on their way to Jerusalem for Christ's final week, his passion week. What were you guys talking about on the way? They were disputing, Mark 9 says, over who was the greatest. Now, that was just sitting at my desk, running in my mind, a panorama of Bible stories of where pride caused conflict. You know what that says to me? This is a common sin. What does 1 Corinthians 10 say? The stories of the Bible are given to us to show us those entrapments that are common to us all. They're common. So we consider tonight and say, well, I'm not proud. I'm not filled with pride. But when a conflict, an argument, strife, contention comes up with somebody else, rather than saying, well, they're just so ignorant, they can't even think this through. Why don't they see it correctly? Maybe turn the mirror and look at your own heart and say, why does this bother me? Why do I feel I have to win this? Do you know you can be right and they can be wrong and you can go on and live your life peacefully and not, and not dishonor God? You have realized by now that arguing never really changes somebody's mind. Pressure doesn't change somebody's mind. Reasonable, thoughtful argumentation, not arguing, but argumentation somebody sometimes can sway someone. But we need, we need to not only believe right, but behave right. So what's the solution? Well, let's go back to our text. Our text says, Proverbs 13, verse 10, only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. The word, or that phrase there, well-advised, has a sense of talking through or talking about, talking over a matter, consulting together. So somebody who has a humble mind, not a prideful mind, knows that they are not all they need to be and they need to be open to be instructed. They need to be open to learn. They need to be open to take a step. But pride is revealed when we refuse to do so. Nobody's going to tell me anything different. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Nobody's going to change my mind. Well, if you thought it through and worked it through and you become convinced by scripture and by facts, that's one thing. If it's just because that's what you've always believed, that's something else. Those who are open to being instructed, those who are open to listening to a different view, again, we're not talking about compromising scripture at all, but being able to be to, to learn something, being willing to learn, the Bible says they're wise. 
the well-advised have wisdom. So when we're humble or willing to listen and discuss a problem, be convinced by the facts, be convinced by the scripture, we're wise. If we're not willing to do that, the opposite is we're not wise. We don't like to use the word fool, but we would be acting like a fool. Humble people are not easily drawn into that contentious butting of heads in argumentation. They know how to show grace. They know how to allow for differences of opinion and view. While pride shuts our minds down to sound wisdom, those who humble themselves will listen, will learn, and scripturally will gain God's wisdom. So let's look at a couple verses of scripture. We're almost done. Look at Proverbs chapter 17. Proverbs 17, verse 14. Here's the problem with getting involved in strife. The beginning of strife is as when one letteth out water. Therefore, leave off contention before it be meddled with. You've seen those on social media. Somebody has a uh, pool in their backyard, not an in-ground pool, but an above-ground pool. And uh, somebody falls into the side and gets down just a little bit, and then they try to get it up. Guess what? That pool's going to be empty before you get it stopped. Why? Because the water started, and then the power of water is greater than your ability to correct it. You know, when you, you get into an argument, you get into that kind of conflicting conversation the bible says it just grows and grows and grows you know it's really tragic i've i have pastored and watched lifelong lifelong friendships destroyed over an argument i know people because i've counseled them because of because of a foolish argument or even a serious disagreement one or the other chooses to sever a family relationship and that's heartbreaking you know my kids are adults now and they can they can make choices that i would not agree with but by god's grace i'm not going to create a situation where i still don't have a relationship because if I don't have a relationship, I can't influence. Now, it doesn't mean I condone if they choose to do something wrong, according to the Bible. Obviously not. I'm, I'm not going to give up what I believe the Bible teaches. But I'm going to always try and maintain that relationship and not get in arguments with them over things that only God's going to change their mind, not me. Look on over to Proverbs chapter 19. Verse 20 is a great encouragement for us regarding being well advised. He says, hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise 
in the latter end. One of the commentators, and I didn't note it, I should have, but I didn't, he said, those who are wise listen to advice rather than argue out of stubborn pride. One last verse and we're done. First Timothy. Let's go to the New Testament. 1 Timothy chapter 6, the Apostle Paul instructing his preacher, Timothy. First Timothy 6 verse 1, let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of honor that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. If any man teach otherwise, so there'd be conflict now, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, Notice the identification of that person, verse 4. He is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Now notice verse 4, how he describes this person who teaches a contrary view that is against the scripture. They're proud. They know nothing. They get involved in questions and strifes of words whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings. I think that's a New Testament principle that Proverbs is reiterating, only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. And don't misunderstand the Bible lesson. This is not a lesson saying give up all your beliefs just to go along to get along. This is not teaching compromise is the way to have friends and be happy. What it's saying is truth matters but our disposition in presenting truth matters just as much. And we can agree to disagree, but in that discussion, we might come to a position of saying, you know what, I haven't thought correctly about that. And I need to, I need to listen and hear you out because maybe I need to change my view. And that spirit of humility demonstrates wisdom. Folks, this is true in the workplace. This is vitally true in the home, especially as your kids get older. Some parents don't learn how to transition from, you know, just giving out the orders and the kids obeying to them becoming adults and treating them that way. You're still responsible to lead and so on. But hearing them out, and I'll confess, I've struggled with that sometimes and have to remind myself, wait a second, they're, they're not a little kid anymore. And it's vitally true, this truth is vitally important in the local church. Let's not be contentious. 
somebody has said to me, you know what, I don't like, I don't like being identified as an independent Baptist because it seems like all they, all they do is argue and fight, be mean-spirited. I would like us to work hard to be the kind of independent Baptists that break that wrong view and know what grace is and giving people room to grow while continuing to go forward in our quest to be like Jesus Christ. Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Meditate on that one. It'll do you some good.